Welcome to another great message from Pastor Tim from Judges, chapter 14 through 16, entitled, Ten Mistakes Sure to Bring Regret. We all make mistakes, and we have all learned that some mistakes are worse than others. Some have such lingering consequences that you beg others not to make the same mistakes that you have. That is the case with Samson. He made so many mistakes. And God's Word uses His story to beg us not to make the same mistakes He did. Here are 10 mistakes sure to bring regret. Here's Pastor Tim. You know, the Bible is filled with examples. Some examples are good and ought to be followed. Some examples are bad examples and should desperately be avoided. We come to the book of Judges, you find both. You find some heroic acts of some faithful people that you would hope that you would follow in, the, in those similar kinds of uh, times. But when the theme of the book of Judges, which is found in your very last verse, is that people did what was right in their own eyes, then you know that there are some bad examples to be found in the book of Judges. And maybe none more prolific than that of Samson. I want to invite you to turn with me today to begin with in Judges chapter number 14, which is somewhat where his story begins. And, you know, Samson's life is a tragic life. It's a life of waste, a wasted opportunity, wasted power, wasted uh, relationships that he has. And so when I look at the life of Samson, what I discover more than anything else is not how to be a strong person, but instead how to really mess up. In fact, from his life, I want to share with you tonight 10 mistakes that are sure to bring regret. 10 mistakes that you can't afford to make. Ten mistakes that you ought not take a million dollars for and that you ought not make in a million years. We've got a long way to go, so let's jump right into it. You ready? Mistake number one is a mistake that I would call a partnership problem. A partnership problem. And what I mean by that is this. Your choice of spouse or of dates, or of friends, any, it works with any kind of relationship that you have. Your choice of spouse doesn't matter. If your choice of spouse doesn't matter, then the activities that follow in that are, go are going to bring regret to you, just like they do for Samson. If you're there in chapter number 14, look, if you will, in verse number 1. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Samson went down to Timnah, and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren, or among all my people, that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Here's a man who's not willing to listen to his father and mother 
concerning the friends that he chooses to have or this spouse eventually that he chooses to have. He simply wants what he wants. And it doesn't matter what her faith is. That's what his whole, that's what his whole idea is here. Why would you go to the uncircumcised Philistines? Why wouldn't you find someone of our people? Why wouldn't you find someone of our faith, of like faith, that you can share your life with? Samson's not concerned about that. He's not concerned with, with whether or not he matches. He just is concerned with who he is attracted to. There's a partnership problem that will pay bad dividends all through the rest of your life. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals or corrupts good habits. Even if you try to live a good, solid, biblical, scriptural life, when you partner yourself with someone who does not share those values, you're far more likely to fall down than you are to bring them up. You know, sometimes we say that we go off on, you know, on a, on a missionary task. We're going to turn our friends or turn our dates or turn our spouses around. That is not your job. Your job is not to fix them. That's God's job. And so while you're still on the looking, you better make sure that you look in the right direction. Mistake number one is a partnership problem. Mistake number two. Mistake number two is a perversion problem. A perversion problem. And it comes right on the heels of what we've seen here of him asking his father for the hand of this particular woman. Go get her for me. She simply pleases me well. The perversion problem says this, you can gratify every sexual urge that you have. It's okay. Whatever, whatever your body tells you to do, then you should do it. That's why we're in the fix that we're in in our culture today. Because we feel like we can do whatever we want to do with our own bodies. In fact, that's become the feminist call. It's my body. It's my choice. And so when you see women dressed as men or men dressed as women and trying to live those kinds of habits, why are they doing that? It's because they have a perversion problem. They've made a similar mistake to what Samson has made in his life. All right, you're still here in chapter number 14? Let's fast forward just a little bit. Skip down with me, if you will, to verse number 20. The last verse in this chapter says, and Samson's wife, he does indeed get this wife that he's been asking for at the beginning of the chapter. And Samson's wife was given, look at this, to his companion who had been his best friend. There's a problem in there. You can see it skip over through the chapter break. And after a while, in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. There you go, guys, if you want to win her heart. <laughs> Just take her a young goat. Make sure it's young. And he said, let me go into my wife into her room. But her father would not permit him to go. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister better than she? Please 
take her instead. This is just messed up. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It is messed up. When you begin to see friends sharing uh, this kind of, uh, of relationships, there's a problem. When, when dads would just as soon offer another person for him. You know, in this story where, the, where, where Lot comes and, and, the, and the angels come to warn uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the Bible says that those men began to press about the door as if they were going to break it in so that they could get to those men. You know what they said? They said, here are our daughters. Take them instead. <laughs> are you kidding me? I've got a daughter. There ain't no way in this world that I'm going to allow her to be given away in that kind of way. Certainly not going to try to allow her to fall into this perversion problem that says, you just, you just satisfy whatever urge it is that you have. And you can do it. Sigmund Freud was a psychologist of great renown but who basically his, his whole premise was that we are primarily sexual beings and whatever urge that you have needs to be fulfilled even in an animalistic kind of way. That's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that we are primarily sexual. The Bible says that we are body, soul, and spirit and that the urges of the body have to be controlled by the spirit. So if I really want my life to be in line with what it is biblically, then I need to make sure that my spirit is right with God. It is my spirit and my relationship with God that will help guide all of these other principles in my life. If you want to make some big mistakes, there's a couple of them for you. One's a partnership problem. One is a perversion problem. The third is a pleasure problem. Say, Tim, we're still talking about the same thing. Nope, not necessarily. Pleasures come in all kinds of forms, don't they? And, and, and what we learn from Samson at this point is whatever your pleasure is, it's okay to use other people. Just, just use them as your palm. Their life doesn't matter. What, they, what, what they're striving for and what God has in store for them, that doesn't matter as long as you satisfy the pleasures of your own life, then so be it. Use whoever it is that you want to. All right, let's go backwards in chapter 14 for a moment. Let's go back to verse number 10. It says in verse number 10, So his father, Samson's father, went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there. We're, we're getting to this wedding. Samson gave a feast there, for young men used to do so. And it was so when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you should give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. And the riddle is found there in verse number 14. But here's the issue. 
Samson is not interested in friendship relationships. It's not the, it's not the 30 companions that he cares about. What he sees when he sees 30 companions is a way to make, we would say, money. He's able to gain clothing and garments for himself. It's an easy way. Again, he's able to use his friends as a means simply to gain something else for himself. And so gambling doesn't seem to be a problem with him. And so he gambles away and says, this is a sure bet. I've got a riddle that no one can solve. I'm going to pose it. And I'm walking out of here with 30 different changes of clothing. Sure thing, sure bet. Doesn't turn out exactly that way for him, does it? For most gamblers, it doesn't. You know, we see the millions and the billion dollars that sometimes is offered simply to those who would gamble. God's given you the money and the resources that you have. Don't squander even a dollar to try to bet on something that is a sure thing. You're going to discover along the way that it's not been a sure thing after all. That even though those little balls seem to be random, God holds everything in the palm of His hand. Why, why didn't God give me a million dollars? Well, if He couldn't trust you with one, how can He trust you with a million? Right? There's a problem. In this case, it's a pleasure problem. Seeking out whatever it is that you want and what you want to get out of life, no matter who you have to step on to get there. It'll end up in regret. It certainly will. Mistake number four. Mistake number four, I would call a persuasion problem. A persuasion problem is when you give credibility to enticing and flattering words. When, when, when you begin to, to be drawn to people who will simply pat you on the back or say the things that you want to, that you want to hear. You know, Samson, Samson allowed himself to be enticed by numerous women, by the woman that he married right here in chapter number 14, by, <laughs> by being enticed to the one that he didn't marry, and then being enticed by the one that he simply spent one night with. Proverbs chapter 5 is filled with good godly wisdom on the man who finds himself so easily turned and so easily drawn by the enticing, flattering words in that case, and in this case, of another woman. You're in chapter 14, look if you will down to verse number 15. The Bible says, So it came to pass on the seventh day, the seventh day of this feast, that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Now, stop there for just a moment. If somebody went to Dina and said, we want to know Tim's secret. It's rice and peanut butter, by the way. If <laughs> we want to know Tim's secret, and if you don't tell us his secret, we're going to burn your house down. 
I have a problem with that. Yes? Who needs to come to her rescue? I do. Right? Samson never does. He never sees what his friends, so to speak, have to say to her. And he just leaves it out there. He leaves her on her own. Seems like a theme running in his life. They ask this of her. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? And Samson's wife wept on him. On Samson. In other words, she's following this advice. And she said, you only hate me. That sounds about right, doesn't it? I think she said it just like that too. You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, look, I have not explained it to my father and my mother. So should I explain it to you? And the tears are going to keep flowing as the rest of that passage continues on. But that's not the only time that he's going to be enticed. By the way, he's going to tell her. He's going to tell her. She's going to entice him. She's going to flatter him. She's going to tell him all the things that he needs to hear. And he's going to give it up. And they're going to tell. She's going to tell the, the Philistines. And they're going, to, um, they're going to solve that riddle before it's all over with. He is persuaded. Not by truth. There's not truth in her words. He's not persuaded by truth. He is persuaded by his own emotion. By his own potential of losing that thing that brings him pleasure. If you only hold on to someone or something because you're afraid that you might lose that one thing, that one thing will become your idol. And you'll regret it in the end. Don't believe your own press. That's exactly what Samson did. Number five. Number five is a personality problem. A personality problem. And and I guess we could dig into Samson's and all of that. But really what I mean are these people that he's choosing to be around. Samson has surrounded himself with untrustworthy people and sharing the closest, most intimate part of his life with someone that he cannot trust. I mean, he finds that out right here at the feast when she tells the riddle. She tells exactly what it is. You know, he explained the riddle, or then at the end of verse number 17, then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. He's entrusted her with with some information. He's entrusted her with just a little bit. She couldn't be faithful even with that. Take stock in the people who are around you. you. If you think it doesn't matter what their character is or what they're like, then you're fooling yourself. The Bible says, if you think that you stand, take heed lest you fall. Surrounding yourself with untrustworthy people will either cause you to be a cynic or will make you untrustworthy as well. 
It's a personality problem. It doesn't just happen here. It happens on in chapter number 16 with Delilah. She does exactly the same things. Okay? Number six. Number six is a pressuring problem. A pressuring problem. I mean, allowing yourself to succumb to manipulation. Manipulation is a difficult, it's a a difficult enemy to fight. Because manipulation feeds your ego. It's not based on truth, but it makes you feel good. And if everything about you so far up to this point, like Samson, has been about his emotions and about his feelings, to find someone that will tickle him in that way is just enough for him to fall. There in chapter 17, he simply, I mean in verse number 17, he gives her that answer. He, he falls into that trap. There's a bigger one though that he's going to fall into. Let's, let's go over to chapter 16 for just a minute. Chapter 16 is his, his relationship with Delilah. And you know that she has been pressured by the Philistines once again. You need to tell us his secret. What's the secret of his strength? And so time after time, she tries to discover what this strength is, what this secret is. And every time he tells her some story that's not true, and she, she gives it up to the Philistines, and they try to bind him. All the way until the time that it finally works. Look, if you will, in verse number 15. These, these words are going to sound familiar. It comes not from the same woman that you find in chapter 14, but it's the same thought. Verse, chapter 16, verse 15. Then she, Delilah, said to him, Samson, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she, that's a great word, when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. It's a pressuring problem. Being pressured, being pestered every single day until simply he cannot hold out. That's that's why it matters in the beginning of these things. Who it is that you choose to be around. Who you choose to share your life with. If it's someone who is untrustworthy. If it's someone, as we'll see, who is mean-spirited. They will pester you and pester you and pester you. Until finally you give in. Politically, it is a strategy of those who don't believe the way that we believe. Those who would say that sexual rights and however that wants to be lived out is really a civil right. 
And so election after election, they continue to pose these questions before the public. The public rises up at the very beginning and says, No, that is not right and that's not what we want for our community. And it comes back the next election and the next election and the next election. What do you begin to see? Even when it's defeated, the margins of defeat get smaller and smaller and smaller until finally it gets won over. Same thing happens in a person's life. When you give in to that kind of manipulation, you'll find yourself in a place that you never wanted to be. If you continue to give in to the pressures from the outside world, you're going to give up long before you get to what God's plan is for your life. So take your stand, no matter how difficult it might be, because you are preparing yourself to enjoy God's very best for you. Pastor Tim thanks you for joining us here today. He would love to hear from you. You can reach him at church office at brittdavid.org. He would also love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. Again, that address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.